0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, Hitting the gym or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is hashtag clocked in with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in.
1: Kane is in in the building.
0: Some money this What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Jordan here with Clocked In. And we got a pretty special guest today. We got my old football coach, Coach Johnson. He's been coaching for in New Jersey for 46-plus years, six state championships, two back-to-backs, which means he won the championship twice, two years in a row, and he did that twice, and he had one undefeated season. So we're here with the infamous Coach Johnson. How are we doing?
1: Jordan, I am doing great. Great to see you, and thanks so much for uh, the opportunity to be here.
0: Yeah, no problem. We're we're excited to have you. Now, before we start diving into the state championships and all of that, where did did this all start? How did you get into this career and where did the love for football start? Like just give everyone a quick background.
1: So, when I was 15 and 16 years old, there was a program in Ridgewood called the Ridgewood Recreation, and I started coaching uh 10, 11, and 12 year olds through the recreation department. And we had an intertown softball league back in those days. I grew up at Willard. So I was a Willard kid and I ran the Willard playground and I coached the Willard kids against the Ridge kids, the Travell kids, the Somerville kids, the Glen kids. Um, and literally fell in love with coaching, fell in love with being around kids, uh, We won the recreational championship that summer and through no fault of mine. It was just, I had really great kids, and I had had so much fun. So when I went to college, I became a physical education teacher, and it was really to facilitate the coaching. Uh, In 1974, I started as a a physical education teacher at Pagoda High School. Uh, I was an assistant football coach, and I was an assistant basketball coach.
0: Awesome, awesome. I I didn't know about those uh, starting years.
1: Yeah. Right. long time ago, 1974, <laughs> long before you were around.
0: A lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom. So, how'd you make the jump from Bogota to Ridgewood? That's a great
1: question. You know, I I was very fortunate. I got my first teaching job in Bogota, you know, from uh, you know, from uh, interviews I had over my spring break. Senior year in college, uh, Bogota was a great place to start. So I, I spent four years as an assistant football coach there. Then I got the head job. I also did a bunch of freshman basketball. I later became the head girls basketball coach at Bogota. I was one year I was actually the head football coach, head girls basketball coach, and head baseball coach. Oh wow! I loved all three sports played football in high school. I played basketball and baseball in high school. Um, so I just, I just loved coaching. Um, and it, you know, just one season kind of led into another things weren't as congested back then as they are today in terms of weight training. And there weren't as much off season demands on kids back then as there are today. Yeah, um, So a lot of kids would do were able to play multiple sports and coaches were able to coach multiple sports.
0: That's awesome.
1: That's awesome.
0: And then when you made that jump to Ridgewood, why did you, did you just pick football or it was,
1: um, well, I came here as the head football coach. Uh, you know, Ridgewood is a high school, much, much bigger in a much more competitive league than Bogota was. Uh, so I, I really felt I needed to just concentrate on football. It was 1984. Off-season programs were just kind of really coming into their own. Um, you know, just like when you were a kid, we lifted weights back yeah. in the 80s. And matter of fact, you know, 1984. I think we had eight kids bench over 300 pounds oh, wow. on that team. Yeah, some really strong kids on that team. Uh, Eric Videka, Danny Denive, George Williams. Kenny Jones, some really, Damian Ross, had some really very, very strong kids. Uh, so the year-round thing was really kind of taken off. And you know me, I love being in the weight room. I love lifting myself. I loved coaching kids in the weight room. And uh, so that just kind of fed into, you know, what, what amounted to pretty much a year-round program.
0: Okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So what, Led you to the successes? So, obviously, there were many years you coached over 40 plus years. Why were some teams had that it where you go back to back and then some teams struggled? What, what?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know, so much of it is the team's buy in, you know, I, you know, every group of students. That you have, whether it's in a class or it's on a team, has a different degree of buy-in. Um, I think I do a better job, maybe now, of selling what it takes to be successful than I did. Um, you know, back in the old days, you kind of expected kids to be in the weight room, as you know now. Yeah. I, I, I try to sell it. You know, we have the individual meetings, the one-on-ones. I'm constantly so. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Weight training is a mundane, very, very demanding, very, very long-term endeavor. You know, Of course. You can go in the weight room today, go in and bust your butt for one day, and you don't do a daggone thing. <clears throat> you know, you, you've got to do that over and over and over and over again. And, you know, it's it's a grind. It, it's, it's Of course. Um, you know. Knowing how to couch that, knowing how to sell that, knowing how to make that something that kids want to do, I think that's something I've gotten a whole lot better at through the years.
0: Yeah, because that's definitely the most difficult thing. As a high school kid, someone who's trying to find their own, there's yeah. so many firsts in their life, is going to the gym their number one priority? So how'd a lot you, of distractions. Of course. So how would you try to instill that in the kids? What specific... Things did you ask them? Like, what was it? Well, since,
1: I mean, since you were, you know, the role models of the seniors, I mean, I think everything starts with them. I realized that a million years ago. As you remember, you know, I had a one-on-one meeting with every single senior in the winter prior to your senior season. The topics for that meeting haven't changed very much. It's about being a role model. It's about showing kids the right way to do things. Um it's about being unselfish. Uh it's about, you know, if you're not a starter still being a contributor on the scout team. Yeah. You know, all all those things and 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 those those concepts are not innate to kids. You know, they have to be developed, they have to be explained, they have to be talked about. Um, you know, one of the things I loved about you was you were you were so energetic and so enthusiastic every day in practice and yet you really never had an opportunity to start but yeah. but you were a huge part of that team and you know you you know what you got out of that was your classmates respect they yeah. respected Jordan Edwards as much as they respected Jamal Locke yeah. because Jordan Edwards worked just as hard as Jamal Locke and you know that's that's something i don't think kids naturally understand when they're 15 16 17 18 years old now some kids don't buy in, and, you know, we've had those kids who decided, hey, you know what, Coach, working that hard, 12 months a year, it's not worth it. Fortunately for me and with your class, we had, you know, we had 36, 34, 35 kids that bought in. That's why we were the team we were because you, you had a bunch of kids who worked hard, and, and we had a lot of them. You know, when, when you have 33 seniors, 33 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, that's going to maximize your opportunity to be successful.
0: Definitely. And I think it definitely leads – having the leadership of a big senior class, it definitely allows for everyone else to follow.
1: Well, huge. It's huge. I, you're the emissaries. You're the role models. You know, I, again, I, I can say all these things and, and ask all these things, but if, if the older kids don't buy in, you know, I, I, I'm sure I said this to you as a kid. You know, what you do in practice every day is modeling what a Ridgewood football player is. And every senior has that responsibility. If you're being lazy in practice and, you know, hanging out in the back and, you know, not participating, then the younger kids are going to go, oh, okay, that's that's what a senior football player does. You know, fortunately, the last 10 years or so, we've had very, very few of those. We've had a load of kids who have, have bought in hook, line, and sinker, whether it was you, your brother, uh, other kids since then, um, you know, kids that are all in. And kids that are all in, that's, you know, we've now won three of the last four state championships. We've been in MetLife five of the last six years. You know, the the success has kind of bred on top of uh, previous successes.
0: Absolutely. For when someone goes from... Yeah, absolutely. For when someone goes from one when you start when you start stacking the wins, of course it's going to take you to the next level. Yeah. So, but the real question and I think this r- relates to any management, any group and anything, especially the team. How do you what's that pivotal You know what I mean when when the when the issue's there, like you're so close like with our team 2014, we were so close. How is there – how do you come back and re-energize everybody? Because let me give some background. So with 2014, we made it to the state championship. We were doing amazing. And then we just got clobbered. Like, it,
1: In that game, you got clobbered not because they were that much better than us, but just a whole host of our best players didn't play.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, a lot of injuries, that, that a lot was, of injuries. Yeah,
1: just a lot of very – Last minute, you know, you know, Louie got hurt the last minute, uh, you know, uh, Owen Smith was hurt the last minute. sukman was dinged up. You know, we, we had a lot of, if we play that team with our whole team, it's a different, it's yeah. a different outcome. You know, we, you know, injuries are the, one of the X factors in any sport, you know, of and course, if, you know, and no, no athletic team is immune from injuries. Yeah. Um, and and we just at the end of that season we ended up experiencing, you know, some, you know, J- you know, Jack Forsman broke his collarbone. I mean, yeah. we, we just had, and we just lost too many kids to to yeah. be able to, you know, uh, Cooper Telesco was one of the best sophomore football players we ever had, got hurt in the semifinal game. Yeah, you know, we, you know, we were down to our third string fullback, you know, Eric yeah. Lewis, who was a terrific player, but. You know, Eric had very little experience at fullback. Jack and and and, and uh, Cooper were much much better players. You know, so, yeah, yeah. That, I, but you know, the, the the key to all this is is the relationship between you know me and the players. You know, the the trust factor. You know, and, and I'm sure you remember, and that's that's why. Were you ever in the weight room on a weekday afternoon when I wasn't there?
0: Yeah, you were there every day. You have that, to set the example,
1: and that was me working out with you. But I also every day I would, hey Jordan, how's school going? How's your mom? How's your dad? You know, how's your family? And I did that with everybody. And I, I knew every player's family life. I knew you know I knew, I knew when kids were having a problem in school. You know, I I I tried to be everybody's second dad. I tried to be yeah. everybody's big brother. I tried to be there for kids. And I love that. I love the intimacy of that relationship. Um, and I, I think it allowed us to maybe play a little harder in the big games. Maybe it meant a little bit more to all of us, you know, because of our our co-relationships.
0: Yeah. And do you, do you think that's one of the reasons that you've stayed at Ridgewood for so long?
1: This is the town where I fit. You know, like you, I grew up here. Of course, um, I. I used to tease you all the time. I bleed maroon. Yeah, but I and I do. Um, you know, I. Uh, you know, I've I've been involved with Ridgewood football since 1962 when I was in fifth grade. Yeah, you know, I mean it. It just means more when it's your hometown. Uh, I, I. You know, I know a lot of coaches out there don't want to live in the town that they coach in, I think that's a huge mistake. Um, I have loved living in the town that I coach in. I have loved watching my three kids go through the high school. My daughter was a cheerleader, then a track kid. Obviously, both my sons played all through the program. Um, That just lent a, a, a greater attachment to the program for me.
0: And what years did your kids go through it? That, And is that part of the reason that kept you? Because you wanted to coach your sons?
1: Oh, yeah, no question. And I wanted to be here. You know, my daughter was was involved in the junior cheering program for six years. And then she found distance running. She found she was really, really good at that. So rather than be a cheerleader at the high school, she did, you know, cross country, winter and spring track. But then, you know, Greg came in as a, you know, he did all the junior football stuff. He came in as a freshman in 04, you know, got an opportunity to actually start in 05 because two of the older quarterbacks got dinged up in the preseason and, uh, you know, ended up not, you know, one of the seniors came back, kid named Andy Davila. Uh, Greg turned the job back over to Ed, but then he got two years of playing starting quarterback and then. You know, Mike was, you know, just a little bit ahead of you, and and was able to play a bunch. So, yeah, I mean, again, having grown up here, my wife and I went to high school here. My wife and I grew up here. You know, my roots here are about as deep as anybody's could be. So,
0: now, were there ever a time when you thought about
1: going somewhere else, or yeah, there were there were two jobs that I looked at. Greenwich, Connecticut high school. Uh, I apl- I applied for that position, had a great interview, um, and they gave the job to somebody else. I'm not. Re- I, I even told them in my interview, listen, if you offer me the job here today, I'm not going to take it. I I don't know that I want this job. I wanted to interview uh, because of, you know, Greenwich is one of the wealthiest communities in the country. Of Tremendous, you know, tremendous um, financial uh, resources. You yeah. know, it's a beautiful high school. Uh, and and I, I researched, you know, going to Montclair at one point. Um, you know Montclair. Yeah. They've had the same talent base for 35 years. You keep thinking at Montclair, the talent is going to graduate and they're going to fall off. Well, in 35 years, they haven't. <laughs> They've been a great, great program forever. Um, you know, we were fortunate enough to beat them uh, two of the last five years in the playoffs. Um, you know, uh, lost to them in the, at MetLife when you were a kid, um, but we beat them. You know, in the semis in 2018. Uh, you know, beat them in the semis in 2016. Um, so lost to them in the semis in 2000. 17, uh, but yeah. So yeah, it, it this, this is home and it, it would have taken a, an amazing opportunity to get me out of here.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, there's so many people who at this point in their life, they're trying, I mean, I'm 24 and I'm in a job where I'm trying to find my career path. And a lot of people are, but for you to be at such a young age, to find that path that 36 years, like,
1: uh, like it was awesome. it's, it was awesome. I, I, you know,
0: like that consistency, you don't see that in day. No, no. Like, I,
1: I, I just listened to a podcast the other day. Your generation will change jobs on the average of 11 times. You know, I have changed my job once in 46 years. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty basic guy. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a jump around guy. And again, this job has afforded me, my family, you know, my kids grew up in Ridgewood. My kids grew up in a beautiful neighborhood. My kids got to go to a great high school. You know, financially, we were able to put our kids into great schools. We're in hot up to our eyeballs, but, you know, that's, that's part of it, you know. So uh, it, everything and anything I ever wanted for myself or my family is here. So no reason to move.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Because I I was, before this interview, I was very curious. What has kept the great Coach Johnson here?
1: Kids like you, Jordan. (laughs) Seriously. seriously. I'm really happy I got to go last night because I wasn't sure, you know, with all the COVID stuff, whether we'd be allowed to go. (laughs) And uh, so I was able to, you know, Dr. Gorman was nice enough to let me come, and my my wife and daughter came with me. And um, it's Graduation here, as you know, is a very, very special thing. It's it's a ceremony unlike any others. So it's, to me, very, very stirring, very emotional, uh, and just a, a wonderful culmination to a beautiful high school experience.
0: I completely agree. I mean, Ridgewood does it better than any other Absolutely. school I've heard.
1: And we both sound like Ridgewood snobs when we say that, <laughs> and maybe we are, but I would, you know... When I tell people about our graduation, they look at me like, you do what? I go, yeah, every year. And the boys do what? The girls wear what? And we do, right? yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's a big book. And I graduated in 1970. We did the same thing.
0: Oh, that's which, awesome.
1: Yep, exactly. So we're talking 50 years ago. 50 yeah. years ago, graduation, you know, I hung out with all my buddies. And, you know, we had our dinner jackets on. Couldn't wait to take them off because we were sweating bullets because it was a night like this. But yeah, it's as long you know the dinner jacket thing goes back into the early sixties at least maybe yeah. before that. I'm not even sure when it when the tradition. So you're talking about at least a sixty year tradition.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That that's awesome. So with coaching, what keeps you like you won in ninety one? You won the state championship in ninety one. You won in oh three oh four. What, like, why do you keep going? Like, what, what? Every
1: team is a totally different different experience. It's like if you have ten kids of your own children, every child's a totally different person. Okay, you know, Jordan's totally different from Zach. You know, I mean, I'm sure you and Zach have some wonderful similarities, and I'm sure you have some glaring dissimilarities. Yeah, and it's just it's the challenge of doing it again. It's the challenge of bringing a new group of kids together yeah. uh, and and sharing. I, I mean, and I told you this when you were here other than the birth of my kids, other than the wedding to my wife, the state championships are the best six days of my life. <laughs> but, and not be, not for me. It's sitting there watching kids like you guys yeah. celebrate and, and you know, the hugs, the kisses, I mean, the, all the wonderful you know, all the wonderful responses. And I I have always, you know, whether it's on the floor of Life, whether it's at Vets or at our game field or whatever, at the end of big wins, I just stand back and I just try to enjoy the emotion. And I try to look at every single player um, just like they were my own kids and just enjoy their exuberance.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that, that brings me to what's going through your head when it's a big game and it's very close and it's very easy to think, oh, let's do the next play, the next play, the next play, and try to play out like chess. But what
1: – Well, that's, that's exactly what's going through my head. Yeah. It's one play at a time. It's, you know, what play do you call uh, should it – should this player be in? Should that player be in? Yeah. You know, football is really that's a great analogy, by the way. Football is the great the great chess game. The difference is in chess when you move the rook, the rook goes to the same place every time. Yeah. When you move the, 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 the bishop, you know the bishop can only do diagonal movements. You know the rook can only go, you know, front and back. You know the queen has multiple movements. But in football you can't always count on kids to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, you know? and you know you train them and, and you work and you run the plays and you know hope that you know on uh, on one twenty four trap the right tackle blocks blocks the backer you know and for sure and but sometimes they don't <clears throat> and then then the adjustments start and then I've you know then I got to remind Sookman that he's supposed to block the linebacker then I got to remind you know you know Mikey that he's got to. Tackle trap, then I gotta remind Jamal that his footwork was terrible. You know, whatever I mean, and and all those little, those little updates during the game, hopefully get you to play a little better at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, yeah. I... So
1: much going on on a game day. It's it's it, that's the big challenge. I mean, coaching a baseball game, and I've been a head baseball coach. Yeah, coaching a basketball game, I've been a head basketball coach. I mean, that's popcorn compared to coaching a football game being the head coach of a football team is is basketball on steroids. It, well, it, why do you say that? Well, cuz basketball that's why you got five kids. Okay. You got five players. Oh, man.
0: 11 moving and, parts. And
1: the, and the game is just it's nowhere near as complicated. I've coached 12 years of basketball. Yeah. Best and I and I played baseball through high school. I played it all through college. I was a head baseball coach. The mo- you make more moves in a football game in 20 minutes, as a coach, that matter to the outcome of the game, than in a, than an entire baseball game. It's just, it's, you know, baseball and fo- baseball and basketball are, you know, football is those no sports on steroids. It's just a whole lot more to the game.
0: Would you say football is the most complex no sport? No
1: question. No question. It's the hardest sport to coach. It's the hardest sport to play. It. it you know, I've, I've said this about football for years. It's just more. And I love all sports. Baseball is really my favorite sport. But coaching football is much more work than coaching baseball. Coaching basketball is much more, or coaching ba- football is much more work than coaching baseball. It just is. It's just, I've done those things. And yeah. It's just exponentially. And that's why that's why I chose football as the sport I was going to concentrate on the most. Because I thought it was the most difficult, the most challenging, where I could have the biggest impact.
0: Yeah. And while football is very complex, what do you try to teach? Like, what is your major goal of teaching the kids throughout their three, four, or five years?
1: Just like we talked about all the time. Yeah. Max effort practice, max effort on game day, max effort in every aspect of your life. Yeah. Right? If You can't take days off in football and you can't take days off in your life. Of course you wanna not. You want to be successful. You know, I mean, again, if if you want to be a successful salesman, you want to be a successful investment banker, you want to be a successful dad, you want to be a successful parent, you've got to be there every There's day. There's, there's got to be a consistency. You know, I, I think my kids will tell you, My dad has been the most consistent person in my life. And, you know, I wasn't just there when it was convenient for him. I was there for him when they needed me, you know, and, you know, in spite of the fact that maybe I didn't feel like it at the time. You know, Yeah. and and it's just, I hope you would say, Coach Jay brought it to practice every day. And, you know, that's what I tried to do.
0: Yeah, I love that. And with what you do bring so much energy to coaching, bring so much energy to the home. How do you manage to do it all? Like, what is the key?
1: Great question. I think it's personal condition. Okay. I've always been in great shape. I'm not now. Yeah. Cause this, this infection kicked the crap out of me. Yeah. I'm, I'm in horrible condition right now. And I, one of the reasons I resigned from the coaching position is I know right now I don't have the energy to coach a whole football season. Okay. So I hope that, you know, with a year of recovery, with a year, I'm months away from getting back to, I mean, I'm, I'm still 20 pounds lighter than when, when you and I worked together. I was 220, 225. I'm about 200 right now. Okay. Obviously, I mean, this thing is a fricking stick compared to what it used to be. (laughs) And my energy level is, is similar, you know? So, um, I do want to go back to coaching. I do want to get back into coaching at some point. But I've got to work on my own body for the next six to nine months. Uh, you know, I was in bed for seven weeks. I lost 50 pounds. Um, I almost died. I was a very sick guy. And it's going to take months and months. You know, the docs told me it was going to be 10 months to a year before. So, I mean, I you know, I went in the hospital uh October 16th. So I've still got, you know, three months until a, a year. And, and I'm going to need that year. I'm going to need that yeah. year to get because that energy coming to practice every day, you know, it's, it's the same energy. Yeah. Know, Coach, Coach Murrow, at the end of every practice, his shirt was soaked. Yeah. Coach Watson, at the end of every practice, his shirt was soaked. Coach Luke Casey, same way. I mean, we always had coaches who, we're willing to coach with great enthusiasm and great energy. And that's, you know, there's a saying, you know, I'm not sure who who said it, but everything's better with enthusiasm. Of course. Coaching is better with enthusiasm. So it's the way we all try to coach.
0: Yeah. And I definitely appreciate that because you're so many people that live this life lethargic and the lethargicness leads to depression, anxiety, all of these other issues. Where if you just figure out a way, whatever that method is for you. So your method was working out.
1: Yeah. Exercise allows you to have the energy you need. Um, you know, plus it's, you know, it's part of your self-image.
2: Like yeah.
1: If, you're, if your stomach's out to here, how are you going to have a good self-image? Yeah. How are you going to have good self-esteem? Yeah. If you If you don't feel good about how you look, you know, I mean, that's – that's why people get their hair done. That's why people get their nails done. That's why people. But that's kind of a false sense of, of, of attractiveness. Yeah. You know, it. it the real attractive view is, you know, when you when you are in good shape physically. Unfortunately, most people can't do the work, which is why they, why they don't, achieve it. You know, yeah. and and then then they have to look for other false, ways to look good. Better haircut, different clothes. Yeah, getting their nails done. The, all the phony. Yeah. Appearance things. I mean,
2: yeah.
1: I've never had my nails done once a day in my life. <laughs> you know, I get my hair cut because it gets too long. But I, you know, I haven't bought a new a new suit in twenty years. I don't care about those phony appearance things. I care about the real me.
2: Yeah.
0: So. And I completely agree. I mean. Just from my experience, recently I've started taking fitness to the next level, and what it was is you just sit there and you go, it gives me what I need, and it's my outlet. Yep. And after you, I'm telling everybody on here, like after you have a big day and you're sweating after a five-mile run, you take a shower, you think <laughs> mentally it would make more sense for you to be more tired, but you actually have more energy and you're more awake, That's right. especially if you attack that in the morning.
1: Your energy level rises, just like your strength level rises and falls. Yeah. And if you don't exercise, your energy level, I don't, you know. And again, people revert to uppers. They revert to state caffeine. changers. Yeah, I, things you know, to change their state. Yeah. But that's just a false sense of of reality. It's not, yeah, it's not reality. The reality is who you are, without any, without any chemical assistance yeah so I mean every I I wanted to be I you know I I literally every every June July and August I upped my conditioning game just so that by the middle of August I was in the best shape of my life so I would have energy to carry throughout the entire season just because I wanted to be able to bring it on a Tuesday in October. I wanted to be able to bring it on a Thursday in November. Yeah. Um, a lot of people won't do it that way.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's completely different mindset. Like Coach Johnson wasn't even playing. No. He was just trying to be in the best shape so that he was ready to go while coaching. Right. And he knew that exhaustion that it took on him, so he wanted to bring it that way, which is... Many people are not doing that. I would
1: never want to get in front of a bunch of kids, unenergized. I hope you would say, "Coach, every day I I came out to practice, you were fired up." And you know, you know, I think that's a real that's you. I think that's a really important. That was a really important platform for me to be to be the leader, energy wise, every day.
2: For sure. Set the tone every day. For sure. Um. So what do you think the biggest lessons you've gotten
0: over the last 40 years were?
1: Um, Well, you know, your family is the most important thing. Okay. Without a question. Um, You know, I, I was always a very independent, self-reliant human being. Yeah. In the last 10 months, I can't even dress myself. (laughs) I've, I, I still can't put my socks on because yeah. my back, I can't reach down to get yeah. my socks on. My wife has had to help me. I mean, she's made meals. She's done my laundry. She's, uh, yeah, and and you can, your family is who you can count on. You know, Mike, Craig, and Rebecca have been unbelievable. They were in the hospital with me. Um, they've been my advocates, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I was always the independent one. I was the always the one doing my own thing. You know, obviously being here for my family, but um, you know, your family is 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 the most important unit in your life.
2: It's your team. Yeah. You
1: know, it's the same qualities that made you guys a good team are the same qualities that are going to make your family a good team. You know, you're going to someday you're going to be the head coach of the Edwards team. You know, and <laughs> I took my role as the head coach of the Johnson team, you know, very, very seriously when the kids were little and setting parameters. And, you know, um, one of the best parenting advices I ever got was say what you mean and mean what you say. In other words, whatever your rules are, make sure if that you follow up with those. Yeah. If and when, if kids break them, then they, they need to, they need to understand that they did, you know, and and maybe there's a consequence. Maybe it's just a maybe it's just a talking to, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. You know. So, um, but yeah, the the family is, you know, I I'm sixty eight years old, Jordan. I'm the happiest sixty eight year old man I know. <laughs> um, I would wish for you, and I've told you guys this many times. I would wish wish for all my players that when you're my age, you're as happy as I am but that's going to be based on what do you do today nobody creates a life in a month you create a life in a series of days yeah if you want to have a great life you have to you have to put together a series of great days you know that you know great at your work great with your girlfriend great with your wife great with your family great with your friends you know um although you got to work at those things just like you worked in the weight room, just like you worked in practice. You know, don't take them for granted. Don't, don't think they're just going to happen. Yeah. You're, you're not going to become a great dad just cause you want to be, you've got to work at it. You're not going to be great at business just cause want to be, you, you got, you know, what am I going to do today to be a better dad? What am I going to do today to be a better, you know, person at my work? What am I going to do today to be a better husband? Um, I've asked myself that question a hundred million times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I completely agree. And that's kind of why Edwards consulting all started because I'm sitting there and maybe you're very good at mental health. Your mental health is phenomenal, but you're out of physical health. Where do you check yourself? So what I did was I just, I would do these weekly checks with myself for mental, physical, community service, philanthropy, family, friends, and spirituality. Right and what am i doing and how how am i able to overcome these things how do you check yourself and know that besides the big accomplishments cuz it's very hard cuz in the day to day like you were saying with weightlifting you could lift the weights maybe you see my max bench goes from 200 to 205 but what keeps you going and how, how do you know that it's how do you know it's all working cuz i think that's the biggest thing no one knows it's working or
1: that's if it a is great question. I, mean, I I have always been highly motivated internally, you know, and somewhere along the way I made the decision I wanted to be the best dad around. And am I the best dad around? I don't know, but I can look every one of my kids in the eye and tell them I tried to be. You know, yeah. and it, you know. again, it goes back to, you know, from the playbook, winning isn't everything but making, making the effort to win is. Definitely. You know, and if you've made the effort, when you put your head on the pillow tonight, you should feel good about who you are. Yeah. You know, because, no, we lost to Montclair in that game, but, it wasn't a lack of effort. You know, it was, it was, Yeah, you know what, their exes were bigger and better than our O's that day. Yeah. You know, I, you know I've, I've said this to Jamal, I've said this to Louie, I've said this to Forrestman, I I wish we could play that game again with everybody healthy. Yeah. uh, You know, and and even the Montclair coaches know that. They knew, they knew knew who wasn't playing. Yeah. Coach, we beat, we beat, you know, we beat half your JV team. We know that. Yeah. I mean, that's, they knew that at the time. Yeah. Because they're smart guys too. Yeah. Montclair coaches are good friends of mine. Um, talk all the time. So, but if you, if you've made the effort, you know, you're not going to win all the time. Nobody's going to win all the time. But you can make the effort, and at the end of the day, that that kind of perpetuates itself.
0: Yeah, and like we were talking about earlier, you're kind of stacking the wins on top yep. of each other. Yep. That's great. Now, yeah, I, yeah
1: we won sixty championships, but that means thirty other years we didn't.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, it's like a three hundred hitter it means he got a hit three three out of ten times. Yeah, the other seven times he struck out, grounded out, popped out. Still,
2: but
0: he's or, still one of the best. But he's
1: a three hundred hitter. Yeah. In baseball, we recognize that, that if you hit three fifty, which means you got less than one, you know, you got less than one hit or less than two hits every five at bats. Yeah. You're a hero. Yeah. Because of doing that is so hard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, that that's where you got to kind of adjust your own.
0: North Star,
1: and and that's a good. North Star is a good example, like you know your own value system.
0: Exactly. And I guess with the value system, just a couple. What values do you think leads to a successful life? Because like we talked about, I think the entire time, if if someone lives in Ridgewood and they don't know Coach Johnson, I think there's a problem. But. You've made a great name for yourself. You have the family, the beautiful house, the, the great admiration for you. Like, what what do you think the values are that allow for this successful life?
1: Again, it's all about the work ethic, and and when you get to this stage, and because I am retiring, it's been and I've had a load of time. This is what I do almost all day. Yeah, your your most exciting part of my day, right now, buddy. <laughs> you know, I, I I've been moved to tears a lot the last few months. Yeah, just because I feel real good about where I am and who I am and what I've done, and you know the kids I've met, and because this, you know, it's about it's about relationships. Of course, you know, you know the fact that you thought to. Come and interview me, that means our relationship was important to you, yeah. You know, um, you know, Logan called me up, hey coach, I'm going to college pretty soon. Do you mind if I come over? I go, Are you kidding? He make my day, yeah. You know, it's that it's, it's those relationships, and that's that's what we built on Stevens Field for four years, yeah. You know, and and you know, I busted your balls a little bit, and, and but but that's what we do, yeah. I mean, it's it's out of affection,
2: you yeah. Know, it's,
1: so, it's uh, this has been a wonderful life for me, and hopefully, I still got a lot left to go. But it's an, it's been an interesting bookmark. You know, I, I really didn't want to resign as a teacher. Yeah, I really wanted to. Keep, I was going to keep teaching at least to seventy. Um, but like I said, I realized about two months ago physically, I'm just I'm nowhere near where I need to be to do either job well.
2: So, yeah
1: um, you know, I, I had a re- I resigned as a teacher um, i I resigned as a coach
0: and what do you think the biggest thing you've learned over the past you had your 40 years but since this injury like everything your whole perspective must have changed
1: I, from I, I, I don't not think it, really I don't think it did very much because I think I always appreciated. You know, maybe my appreciation for my wife has increased yeah. some, but I always appreciated her. Of course, my appreciation of the kids, my kids. But I always appreciated my kids. My appreciation for my position, but I've always appreciated you know, where
2: you
0: I, were when
1: I got this job in 1984. I told everybody, "This is the only job I ever want. I, I don't, I don't want anything else. I just." I, I most likely will stay here the rest of my life.
0: And how, how'd you know that? Cause and I, I've, I just did. Just I, a
1: feeling. I just did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, have I've, you know, my family moved here in 1953 when I was a year old. I, I'm a Ridgewood kid. through. through. Yeah. So, There's nothing you would change. Nope. Not, I, I wouldn't change anything. Maybe win a few, you know, a few more championships. Maybe beat, maybe beat Montclair your senior year. Oh or, yeah, of course. You know, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, a couple of tough losses, losing to, you know, losing to, uh, you know, PCT in 2015 at MetLife, and, you know, because Griffin Peen really deserved the championship. Yeah. He he was a champion. He was a tremendous champion, and, uh, you know, obviously, one of the hardest things is watching kids when you lose. Yeah. You know, watching you guys that day, and, you know, watching Griffin's team in 2015, and, you know it's, you know watching kids after they've lost, and the, you know the the, the finality of it, that's that's hard as a kid, as a coach because you're, you're you're living and breathing through the players.
2: Yeah. So, what?
0: Th- this is a random one, but what is one of your? I got two more questions. That's alright. What are one of your, have
1: been awesome, by the
0: way. oh, really? You I, I appreciate that. Very
1: impressive, kiddo. I believe you're very impressive here from day one, from the moment you sat down. Very impressed.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. So what do you think one of your, and I know it might be the state championships or it might be the kid. I'm not really sure. That's why I'm asking. But what do you think one of your, because for you, it's like the years go on, you meet new kids, everything goes on. But what would you say would be one of the top memories? Is it, is it seeing Greg, seeing Mike, the whole Shira?
1: I mean, coaching my sons was awesome.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: you know, I, I had eight years where one of them was on the field with me. Um, those are memories that the three of us have together. Um, you know, my family's involvement. You know, my daughter was back in the day when when the headphones had cords. Yeah. My daughter was the cord girl, standing right next to her dad on the sidelines. Yeah. She heard some f bombs. She you know, had her, you know, but but she loved being there, and I loved having her there. So, just the whole the whole family feeling of, and and this is why I would never coach at Don Bosco. I would never coach at Bergen Catholic. You know. I love this, the community of Ridgewood. Yeah. I loved the community of Bogota. I mean, I only have two examples, but the whole town of Bogota, you know, we got into playoffs uh, only twice in my six years as a head coach there, but the whole town was behind the team. You know, unfortunately, we lost both years in the semis. But, um, you know, just the way the whole community comes together, you know, the tailgates before the Met Life games. Of course. Games. Uh, I mean, the pictures of those, you and I didn't experience the tailgate, but you can get vicarious enjoyment out of all the pictures of your parents being there and, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, yeah, so that, you know, just the whole, the whole family, small town experience. I mean, Ridgewood around here is a big town, but it's really not, it's really, yeah. you know. In Texas high schools graduate 3,000 kids. You know, Texas graduates twice as many kids yeah. in a high school that we have. Yeah. So, you know, Jersey schools are not big. But, you know, Ridgewood's a big town for, for Burton County, but it's really not that big.
2: Yeah.
0: So. Awesome. And do you think, for the closing thoughts, is there anything you'd like to leave people with or anything? Because I can just give my I, big takeaways I, I would
1: like you to thank every single player who has sweated worked busted their ass thrown up for the program yeah that that would be cuz you know i'm i'm just the head coach i didn't make one first down yeah i didn't complete one pass yeah i didn't make one tackle it was my honor and my pleasure to work with all the great kids that have been here, you know, the thousands and thousands of kids that have spilled their guts and done the things I've asked them to do. Yeah. Just thank them for
0: that. Yeah. I absolutely love it. So my big three takeaways are energy. You got to bring the energy, got to stay consistent and you got to be selfless. You saw the man right there. He, he didn't want any of the attention. He just, Give it off to someone else. And it's not even in that regard. It's just helping others and just being there for people and just.
1: Helping other people get what they want. Yeah. That's. You know, when in coaching, you're helping other people become good athletes in sales. You're helping people get products that they want. Yeah. A great Lou Holtz once said, a great salesman does nothing more than help people get what they want. Yeah, And. You know, if, but in order to do that, you have to know what they really want. Yeah. You know, some car salesmen will try to sell you a car even though it's not the car you really want. Yeah. And then you're pissed off when you get off the lot. Yeah. And you'll never go back to that car salesman again. So, you know, kids, when when they, you know, what do you think kids wanted out of Richwood football?
0: For me. I can, I guess I can speak for myself. It was the experience that I enjoyed was, and I really felt in my senior year was that family dynamic, Mm -hmm. not saying I was family and buddy, buddy with everybody, but did I have a core group of friends from that football program? Absolutely. And people ask me why I played senior year and I didn't really touch the field. Like if we're being completely honest, it was 100% that it was. You would have the games. After the games, everyone's hanging out. Everyone's getting breakfast the next day. We're doing that, doing this, the championship. It was the energy, and yep. it was something that you really wanted to be around. And that was one of my biggest takeaways. And plus, I was already in my fourth year. I wasn't gonna let. Up. I wasn't gonna let up. You gotta finish it. You no,
1: know, it's, it, it's it's being a part of the family. You know, it's and um, yeah, that's the energy. I've gotten to do that with forty six different groups. Yeah, forty six different groups of young people. It's, it's amazing. It's a what a privilege. Yeah, what an amazing privilege I've had, and that's the way I look at it. That's the way I've always looked at it. Um, I've been a part of, I mean, thousands of kids' lives for for meaningful amounts of time. Yeah, it's awesome,
0: definitely. And they're so fragile, and because so many people in high school are trying. People say in college, you're trying to figure yourself out. In high school, you're really trying to figure yourself out.
1: You're much more vulnerable in high school.
0: And you get to see the kids at such fragile stages where you can really make a great impact yeah. in them.
1: And you know how do you build confidence? You create situations where kids can be successful. You don't build confidence by beating them down and cursing them out and screaming at them. You're... You, you know, you put them in situations in practice where they can be successful and, and and they can walk off the field going, hey, you know, I can do that. Yeah. You know, that's you –
0: know, That's huge. You
1: know, big responsibility because a lot of coaches don't get that. A lot of coaches, as you know, they berate, they curse, they scream, they holler. You know, it's – that's that's just not –
0: the build-up mentality is the way to go. That's
1: right, that's right, and that's that's where coaching has changed a lot. I like to think I was smart enough to change long before my peers did. Um, and I have a lot of evidence from the eighties to to prove that. But you know, uh, you know, I my coaches when I was in high school, they thought it was their role to stay aloof, stay above, kind of separate themselves. Yeah. Not, 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 that, not that I wanted to be your friend when you were there. No, yeah. it's not my job. But I want to be your coach. And I've always said an element of coaching is friendship. It's not the major element because you can't be players' friends all the time there should be an element of friendship where I get to know you, you get to know me, you know my family, I know yours, you know what's important to me, I know what's important to you. You know, that's, and again, with a football team of 70, 80 kids, that, that's a real challenge for me, but, but I love that challenge. That's Because it's a little harder, I embrace it even more because I know a lot of other guys can't do it.
0: Yeah, and I just noticed there that it's so amazing how you viewed coaching as you didn't just want to be the coach. You wanted to have other – you realize that the players aren't just – not every day they're going to show up and be, I'm a football player. Because right. they have to be student. They have to be son. They have to be daughter. They have to be what whatever it is. There's so many roles. And you have to realize as the coach, you're playing multiple roles. And sometimes that person might need you there as – not coach that comes down on them, but coach that builds them up or friend or teacher or whatever it is.
1: There's a great phrase. We need love and understanding the most and we deserve it the least. Yeah. My coaches, when, when you made big time mistakes, they screamed and hollered. Yeah. Really what you need to do when a kid makes big time mistakes is that's when he deserves your love and understanding the most. Yeah, that's when you need to put your arm around, them. and that's the same with your own children. Yeah, you know not not that, not that you let them get away with all hell, you know, because yeah. you can't, because you have to be the, you have to be the standard bearer, you have to be the standard set. Yeah, but, but, you know, when, you know when a kid comes home, and maybe, maybe they're got maybe they got a an E on a report card, or, you know, that's not when you sit down and scream at them. It's not when you berate them. That's not when you attack them. That's when you sit down with them and you go, Hey, Jordan, how come you kind of need math? Yeah. How come, you know, whatever. Whatever. That, you know, to understand what created the, you know, what created the problem, you know. it's And a lot of people, lot, as you know, communication is not amongst families. That's not a common thing. No. You know, being able to communicate... Mom, dad, mom, you know, couples don't communicate. Parents don't communicate with their kids. Kids don't communicate with their parents. I mean, one of the things I always did, at, first of all, we always had dinner. Yeah. We always had dinner. And I believe it or not, I never talked at dinner. I just sat and listened. I, I, I wanted to create a vacuum where my kids, you know, when you sit at the dinner table and nobody talks, eventually your kids start talking. And you can, you know, I mean, yeah, I I could have taken over. I you know I'm I'm overbearing. I'm you know, but you know, as a parent, I always sat at meals and purposely kept my mouth shut, just so I could then bring out things that were going on in my kids' lives, and then and, and then I know about them, and then if things if they were struggling, I could help them. You know that. If you don't know those things, you don't, so when, when you're a dad and you're sitting at the dinner table, just remember you have two ears, one mouth. That means you should listen twice as much as you talk. Yeah. Right.
0: I never, I mean, I don't have kids, but yet, (laughs) but that is, that's tip and a half. Like I really enjoy that insight.
1: People don't listen. You know, as a coach, you listen to your players. As a parent, you listen to your kids, you know, listen to your wife. About 25 years ago, I made the decision if I keep my wife happy, she'll keep me happy.
0: It's working so far? It worked (laughs) perfect.
1: Yeah. Just, you know, instead of being contestuous and, you know, know, mom and dad, moms and dads fighting all the time, basically I just said, okay, honey, whatever you want, you know, and, you know, yeah,
0: and that's not that's not Coach J being submissive. That's more of Coach J thinking giving first. Right. And it's, it happens with everything. If you help out first, it'll be reciprocated somewhere along the line. Many times over. And then when you get a predicament where it's a very hard situation, you know they have your back because they know that you have them. Exactly. I think that's beautiful. It's, it's, it's,
1: you know, that's part of the relationship building. Of
0: course. Of course.
1: It's an interesting life, isn't it, Jordy?
0: Definitely. You're you're at
1: one end and I'm at the other. (laughs)
2: It's
1: it's an interesting
0: life. Yeah, but this has been an amazing conversation. I've really enjoyed the time. Great. Me too. All right, awesome. We'll close it out there. Thank you for staying on to the end of the podcast. Now, since you're at this point, I really hope you enjoyed your time with us and that you'll give us a subscribe and a five-star review it really makes a world of difference now if you want to learn more about us you can go to edwards underscore consulting on instagram To also us follow learn more about what we're doing and I really hope everyone keeps clocking in and we have a great day. Great rest of
1: the week. Thank you for reaching
0: the end of the podcast. For that. We'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.